The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. Yesterday, I drove to Chehalis, Washington, which is about an hour and 45 minutes out of Seattle, to meet with three young men who were hit head on by a drunk driver with horrendous consequences. Uh, because the vehicle that they were driving with uh, each other in uh, caught on fire, burning one of them. And as I was sitting there going you know, around the room, listening to questions and concerns and comments, there was just this fury building in me, which is not uncommon. <laughs> the plaintiff lawyer against the defendant and the fury was also totally deserved it's one thing for someone to fall asleep and cross the center line not great right you don't want to fall asleep and cross the center line or to be fiddling with french fry that fell on your lap and looking down for a second and then accidentally crossing the line there's a difference between negligence and doing something dumb uh, because you weren't paying attention or you weren't behaving like you should when driving a vehicle in a responsible manner. You took your eyes off the car. You're texting, for example. Dumb, negligence, that is one thing. But it's completely different when the reason why you crossed the center line was because you made the decision to get drunk or high first. I have no tolerance for, and I call them drunk or high drivers, just drunk drivers. Drunk or high, it's the same thing to me. Drunk drivers. The carnage that is left behind by drunk drivers in cases that I've handled is, it's the worst of all the cases. Always. It's heinous. There's a decision to drink and drive. Now, I do not fault people for being alcoholics. But I fault anyone who drinks and drives. In this case, a grown man, a responsible decades long career employee in the middle of the day gets drunk and hits head on an innocent group of, I mean, they're kids to me, coming home after a wonderful adventure in the mountains. I can't even tell you how horrible 
the results of crashes like that are. It's overwhelming. You wonder at some point about the amazing will for people to live, that they would want to live after something like that, so devastating, so disfiguring, so permanently debilitating as a young person, how that will affect their lives together to forever. And I'm only the lawyer. I'm not even the person or the families. How much anger must they feel and rage to know that that person half a year later is still not been officially charged and prosecuted? As bad as that is, and it's not just this case, it's just one in a long line of cases involving drunk drivers that I've handled. As bad as the facts of what happened are, I want to talk about the apology. Actually, I want to talk about the lack of apology. When someone does something heinous, whether it's negligent or intentional, there's still an opportunity that's presented to show humanity, and that involves saying you're sorry. Now, of course, there's multiple different levels of saying you're sorry. There's the level of, I'm sorry, and I'm just saying it because it's something that I'm going to say because it's expected of me without taking any personal responsibility. There's that sorry. And then there's a personal responsibility, sorry, and then there's everything in between. I'm talking about not even saying the lowest level of sorry. Do you know how many clients, hundreds of devastated clients I've personally known who have had any defendant say they're sorry to them before they were forced to do so financially can count them on one hand. Let's say that you're not a drunk driver. Let's say that you were looking down because you did drop that French fry and you cross the center line and you almost killed someone and they end up in Harborview for a month and a half. So you notify your insurance company and then what? Or let's say you kill that person and then what? You just sit there and wait uh, to see if the insurance company will pay the claim and if they don't pay the claim, then you just wait to be sued. Is that what you do? Um, yeah, that's what you do. You don't go to the hospital to see how they're doing. You don't send flowers. You don't send a card. You don't ask at all about that person. 
And you certainly don't say you're sorry. Because if you say you're sorry, that might mean that they can blame you later. You are willing to give up a basic, decent human trait of empathy. Because you think that maybe that'll be used against you in the future. Let's see how that plays out. Because that's, of course, what happens. Either the person on their own decides, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to just sit and hunker down and, and uh, you know, just hope this all goes away. Or you're told by the insurance company that you shouldn't say you're sorry, which in which case you should say, what do you mean? I shouldn't say I'm sorry. Where does it say in my policy? I can't say I'm, I'm sorry. Cause it doesn't say that. Let's see how this plays out though. Let's say you say you're sorry. What is the plaintiff going to do with that? Well, the defendant said they're sorry. So they're at fault. Mm, no, a court's not going to agree with that. You're going to go to court and there's going to be a jury and the jury's going to be told the defendant said they're sorry. That means that they're guilty. Um, that's not how it works. You have to prove fault. You have to prove a co- proximate cause. You have a burden of proving something happened. Is I'm sorry an admission? Saying I'm sorry and nothing more is not even an admission, an admission of what? Being a human being who's sorry? An admission is saying, I'm sorry, it was my fault. An admission is saying, yeah, it was my fault, even if you don't say you're sorry. An admission is, yes, I know I was drunk and I was going over the speed limit and I crossed the center line. An admission is not just saying, I'm so sorry. That lack of human decency and not just of the human, even let's say of the institution, let's say that you are a hospital whose negligence in your air conditioning system resulted in fungal infections of people in your operating rooms that killed them or injured them. It doesn't hurt you to say as an institution, we are so sorry. This is terrible that this happened. We are looking into it. There's nothing that says that you can't say you're sorry. When you don't say you're sorry, whether you're the government or an insurance company or a business or a human being, when you don't say you're sorry for killing someone and letting their family just figure it all out on their own, that is not decent. It is despicable. It's despicable behavior. And in the legal arena, it's normal. It is normal for no defendant to ever say they're sorry. Point number one, point number two, the tactical use of the quote, I'm sorry. In deposition, 
There are times when a defendant, their attorney will say, we just wanted to say we are sorry that this happened. Now, again, that's not an admission. They're sorry it happened. They're not apologizing for their role in it. They're just apologizing that it happened. Now, at least it's something, but that should have been said at the very beginning, because when you use it as a ploy, when you use it to try to show that you're a good entity, when you do it in front of a jury, we are so sorry that this happened to this family, but we're not responsible. It is such a ploy. And when you say you're sorry, not to the person when you should have, but in front of an audience to get a reaction, the despicable level of saying, I'm sorry, goes up a notch. We have a motion that we bring. Started it about five years ago because I was sick of people saying that they were sorry in front of a jury to curry favor. And I knew that in this one trial that they were going to go up there because every, in every deposition they told, they started off by telling every plaintiff, well, we're sorry that this happened without accepting any responsibility. And the motion went like this, dear judge, don't let them say they're sorry in front of the jury. It's a ploy. It's a ploy that is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if they're sorry or feel sorrow. However, the defense lawyer feels or the defendant feels has no relevance to this case. Their feelings aren't relevant. If they had really been sorry, then they would have said so. They would have sent a card or flowers, come to a funeral, visited them in the hospital, or at least sent some kind of word. They could have contributed to their GoFundMe. They could have paid some of the medical bills that were accruing. When these people were having to borrow money to live on from their family because they lost their jobs, the people that are now saying they're sorry, they could have stepped up. But that's not what happens in litigation, in tort litigation. There's no rule that says you can't make advance payments, but no insurance company wants to do that. They want to financially starve the plaintiff until they're desperate to settle. Do you know what almost all mediators say? The people that, you know, play devil's advocate and try to tell your client that they should settle uh, rather than risk going to trial. Do you know what their most common statements are? If you don't settle and go to trial, even if you get a good verdict, they'll still appeal and drag this out for another two or three or four years. Which, though true, simply supports the fact that the defendant will do everything that they can to financially starve the plaintiff. As I was driving home from that meeting and haunted by the youth that was stolen, by the opportunity that was stolen, by the joy of life, by the simple things that many of us take for granted, the ability to stand, to walk, to think normally for us. 
to have our own skin on our bodies and not the skin of a pig. Because you know that's what they use is pig skin when there's when your skin has been taken off your body. And I'm thinking about the person that did this to them who has not said they're sorry, who will not say that they're sorry. I just get so mad. One of the main reasons that a plaintiff brings a lawsuit is because they have been disrespected. They're scared. They don't know how they're going to continue on. The insurance company usually is ignoring everything that is being said and, 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 and not uh, very helpful to say the least. But one of the cruxes, even though money is the only thing that can be awarded, one of the reasons people will file a lawsuit and fight it to the very end is because the level of disrespect they encounter. It is soul crushing for a person that's already been severely injured. I was a defense lawyer. And if I was listening to me now, I would change the way that I did business. I would explain to the insurance company, you can say you're sorry without saying that you're liable. Let our defendants be human. Because when we treat people disrespectfully and when we let our defendants treat people disrespectfully, that allows the plaintiffs to demonize us and rightly so. Say you're sorry. Over and out.